Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tastings Studios. Tox and Tastings, not Toxic Tastings. Uh, because there's no Bud Light involved. From, <laughs> from the Tox and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you... What's behind the collar? This is Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Our Holy Week spectacular. Recording on Holy Week, but this is really our Easter episode. Yay. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Vicar, you've had the joy of, the joy of teaching uh, this to children. I have. For the first time. Yes. Wait, what's your, what's your opinion? What do you think about that? It's it's great fun. The the little ones are not used to saying Hi-oo! something back to us that is not identical to what we say. We teach them memory verses. We say something and they say it back identically. We teach them he is risen and they got to say a little more than we say. And it's fun watching them try to figure that out. And some of them can do it. And uh, some of them just start giggling and fall over because we say he is risen. And we point at them and they just giggle and fall over. Yeah, I, I said to one, he is risen. And he goes, ah, <laughs> he did. Now that's what I expect to see right. on Sunday on Easter. <laughs> well, I I do think it probably was an exorcism. It's what it sounded like. Right. I mean, it could have been Pentecostalism. I mean, you point at somebody and they have an outburst of noise. That's... Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> you to translate for him. <laughs> um, he said, "He is risen indeed." Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you doing, Pete? Doing good. Uh, I'll, in about what twenty six hours, I'll be seeing you. Ooh. Something like twenty five yeah. hours, right? I'm not sure exactly when, but yeah, something like that. Boy, Vic- Vicar didn't waste time. I, I, I got to open my beverage. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> dying here. <laughs> so uh, he he has, uh, I, I got into my study today, mm-hmm. and I was going to grab a, a beverage, and I noticed that there were blue mountains in my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember putting blue mountains in my fridge. Nope. I, I snuck in there, and I planted in your refrigerator my beverage. So do you have like a 12- you know, fun fact? Yeah, uh, that used to be my refrigerator. Oh, I didn't know that. No, no, we've got a new one. Oh, oh I didn't. Re- I forgot about that. What'd you do with my old one? Did you get rid of it? The the brown one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the brown one. Uh, it uh, has papers on it. It's still in there. <laughs> you, oh, you, you could have it back if you like. Oh, there you go. I don't think I need it. <laughs> so uh, put it in the vicar office, maybe. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And it is a Coors Light. That's what the Blue Mountain reference is, by the way. It's not different than what I had last time, but uh, it's more. It's good. And what do you have, Pete? You, Peter's got a busy because he's coming uh, up this way. So he's not only recording tonight, uh, but he's also having... Immediately the, after, I'm editing. Editing. Yep. So we'll try and not have too many things that he has to edit out. Unlike last week was a complete train wreck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the finished product was probably seven minutes. I mean, I didn't listen this time, so I don't know. Yeah, I didn't it, actually... it wasn't long. <laughs> it wasn't long. <laughs> so I was able to do a little bit more preparation for us today, Ooh. which is cool, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my beverage today is uh, it's called Coca Cola Move. Oh, it's one of their limited edition. So it's called Coca Cola Move. Is it spelt like movement move or something else? Right. Right. Okay. I just hopefully it doesn't have any laxative in it. <laughs> there you go. I mean, from the pink can, I'm wondering if it's a strawberry flavor or something like that. Oh, it's way too sweet. I don't taste much Coke. Oh. More of a fruity. Oh, it says zero on it too. I see that. So it's yeah, one of those no calorie ones. Right. Ah, uh, not a fan. Okay. But Coca Cola Move should be vanilla forward with a strawberry-ish flavor. Oh well, guess I know my color coding because I was guessing strawberry from the pink. Yeah, it, it kind of tastes like uh, strawberry Nestle's Quick without the milk. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, not a fan. Hmm. Oh well. Hopefully you didn't buy like forty-eight of them then. Nope. <laughs> no. And do you have anything you do you have there, Pete? Oh, I've just got I've got water. I've done all my caffeine for the night. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sleep at some point. Right. So 
keep myself going with some water. Yeah, you just got off of work too, didn't you? That's right. Yep. So, um, so uh, Vicar, what are you preaching on? <laughs> I am preaching on the resurrection from the Gospel of Mark, chapter sixteen, verses one through sixteen. And what's uh, is specific about that uh, passage that you've been able to kind of latch onto? Right. Well, looking at the passage, the theme that emerged most um, readily is the fear and unbelief that the resurrection of Jesus needed to overcome. And it's actually interesting because when we look back in the Gospel of Mark in the chapters 8, 9, and 10, that theme is still there. Jesus was teaching his disciples that he was going to be going to Jerusalem and be put on trial by the religious leaders and that they were going to kill him. And three days later, he would rise from the dead. And when the disciples heard this, they didn't understand it and they did not ask him because they were afraid to ask about it. So the fear and sort of the unbelief was persistent all the way up until uh, Jesus overcomes that fear and doubt through the resurrection and through his appearances. And and so the fear, you know, what, when you uh, look at the resurrection, it's not just a, a mind over matter thing. No. It's it's a it's a fear that is addressed by the truth. It is. You know, my my point by by saying that is is. Uh, is, is as Christians, we always need to hold on to the physical nature of it and the truth of it. Absolutely. And there, because there's a lot of people who think that Christianity is is just there to make each day feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no, it's about salvation, and uh, certainly that should help you feel better about it. Well, yeah. But it, but if you are uh, um, in this this whole thing to just to feel better, well, there's lots of things you can do to. Feel right. better, right? Plenty of religions can make you feel better, right? And and uh, plenty of false religions will help right. you feel great. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch. Unconcerned of about sin or anything, right? But uh, when we talk about the resurrection, it is a real bodily resurrection, and Jesus addresses their fear by being alive again, right? In a way that uh, um, uh, almost too good to be true or something that they didn't really right. couldn't even grasp. Right. It definitely took some time to sink in that he was really alive, that he, the very man that died, the one they knew was the one standing in front of them. There was a, the concrete truth of it is what overcame their fear and their doubts. And so what, as we approach, because this is behind the collar stuff, right? Yeah. And behind the, the vicar collar. Yeah. Uh, how, how is your experience in your, What's going through your head as we're recording this on Wednesday? Right. Right? As we approach Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and Sunday the, for the five services we have coming up. Right. Um, well, I, what's in my head is that I'm, I, I will be ready in time. That's in my head. And, uh, but that I have quite a lot of work to do to make that come true. And that's fine. I've, I've got a good draft going of the manuscript. And, and me and you looked at it this morning. I felt like it had come out pretty heavy handed law wise, I guess is how I would diagnose it. And when you looked at it, you gave me great tips on how to say the very thing I was trying to say and keep the theme that I found when studying the book of Mark, uh, but say it in a way that I could explain to people the, the gift of, of being able to live a life of prayer, the, the gift of being able to live a life in forgiveness and receive the living God's body and blood rather than the the initial way it was coming off to say those things in kind of a heavy-handed, like, well, you have to do this and you have to do that in light of the resurrection. But no, it's a great privilege and a gift, what we get to do in light of the resurrection. Without fear. Without fear. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and uh, I, you've gotten further on your Easter sermon than I have. Oh. <laughs> so. woo But, uh, you know, I, I will say this. This is... Uh, really not Easter related, but it's something I wanted the listener to think about sometime is, uh, um, I've, I've been as a pastor. Um, one thing that's been a great joy for me is, uh, the ability to, to share the gospel with someone, uh, anew to share the gospel with someone who, uh, uh, really doesn't have that much, Share the gospel. Give the gospel. Tell them the word of God. Right. Um, in uh, and in situations where they don't have a lot of time left, 
and they're really hearing this for the first time in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess to the listener, I wanted to say that um, if you know anybody in that situation, don't hesitate to to have your pastor come visit. Right. Um, because uh, he has a way of of saying things in ways that, you know. I mean, that's what he's he does all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, your pastor can do it in ways, one, that can address whatever needs to be addressed quickly without having to, oh, no, what about this? Or what if they say this? Or what about this? Right. And, uh, and uh, he can come with it without any kind of extra baggage that a loved one may have. Right. You know, a pastor comes in not knowing all those things and simply saying, you know— uh, this is this is what God's word says. This is what Jesus did, and and I, I suppose one of the biggest things that I have found uh, to be helpful in those instances, is say you are in a situation where you need to talk to someone who's fearful of death and not understanding the gospel, it, the biggest thing is to turn their eyes away from themselves onto Christ. Hmm. Because one thing that people say is even if you talk about if you focus on you, all you have to do is believe. Right. What are they going to say? Well, I I don't, or I'm not convinced, or something along those lines. Or they are convinced that they don't they don't believe enough. Yeah, like they don't. Like they quantify it. Right. Right. Uh, but simply pointing them to Jesus and saying, you know, look to Him, understand that He died bearing your sins, that in him is forgiveness, that he does all of that for you, and just look and trust to him, knowing that he died for all your sins, he rose from from the dead. In his word, he makes this promise to you so that you're teaching them not to look at themselves, certainly in repentance, but, but in a way that says your hope is not what you find in yourself. Your hope is in what Jesus promises you. Right. And that that is something that that's that simple presentation I've seen this many times as a pastor is an eye-opening thing where they I never thought about this way. Um and and isn't that what faith is? If they're looking to Christ as the one who did everything necessary for their salvation. Right. You're not quantifying how much you believe. What is that? That is faith. Right. And and a faith given in a way that that um overwhelms whatever feelings of that they had and all the ways that death can frighten them and it, it opens their eyes to, to understand the, the good news of Christ that, that takes themselves out of the equation. Hmm. I like that. Um, but, uh, you know, these things, uh, these opportunities are around more than you might realize. And so, if you know someone or close someone and they don't have a pastor, don't just say, well, they don't have a pastor. You know, if you know someone who says, well, I'm worried about what kind of funeral they have, well, first of all, you should be worried about their soul. Right. And uh, the time to think about that is not uh, after they die. Now what do we do? Mm. If you want them to have a, a, a Christian burial, well, then make sure they're Christian. Invite yeah. your pastor to speak to them. Right. Because the whole purpose is not the funeral, it's salvation. And so uh, always be thinking about that with your loved ones or people you know and opportunities that you may have um, of someone maybe dear to you. Uh, uh, because a lot of times people might say, well, it won't go anywhere. Well, then what, what oper- you're not going to lose anything by having a pastor, your pastor that you know and trust will give them the true word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to know. You're not going to lose anything, right? Like if you show up and visit the the person uh, and they reject you, okay. I mean, it's not like they're any worse off than before. I mean, and and yet they have eternity to gain mm-hmm. if if the gospel breaks through from the word of God that you bring them. And and uh, one thing I kind of you you learned is is uh, I think you were you were involved in saw some of this, right? Yeah, I did. And uh, um, 
you know, I gave them the Word of God in, in ways that they could understand. I didn't simply yes. say, this is what Mark says in this... Right, you didn't present it like some kind of academic study on... Because uh, because someone in that situation has a low attention span, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and it's almost like you give them what the creed is. Right. You know, this is what, what who Jesus is, this is what he did for you, uh, and uh, you are a sinner... Nope. I don't. I don't walk around that. Nope, you need what Jesus has, but He is the one that that offered His life in your place. Um, and then you ask, "Do you desire forgiveness?" And I think that's a fantastic way of putting it to that person because um, because they probably. I mean, if they really reflect on it, people hope they hope and maybe even wish in a way that that they can be forgiven. And that's such a, it's a simple question, but I think it gets right at it. Do you want to be forgiven of your sins? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, I'm so glad I was there when you were able to ask that. Uh, and and that I could see somebody thinking about that and wanting to be forgiven. Um, yeah. and, 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 and so, yes, I have them look at themselves and f- from that angle. But then I said, didn't say, well, then all you just believe. Right. You didn't say, okay, we'll make a decision. And do you want to like, come down up front and do an altar call or whatever? Right. Know? I said, well, well, this is what Jesus came to give you. This is right. what, what he did to die for you. Right. And, um, and uh, this is why he rose from the dead so that you can follow in those footsteps, um, directing their eyes and in their sen- themselves, as far as uh, being open that you're a sinner. Right. 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 Even at other times, I've said, you know, you've done some pretty awful things. I'm, let's not hide from that. Right. Because uh, because they might be thinking, well, you're awfully naive, Pastor. You're just going to say that to everybody. You don't know what kind of awful sinner I am, and you, you can't dance around that. Yeah. Now, I, I've read the portions of the book, The Hammer of God, which is pretty famous, but I didn't, I didn't end up reading the whole thing, but right at the beginning— the, the bullhagen is strong in you. Yeah. Oh, is that what you do? You like read part of the book and stop? <laughs> oh, I got this guy shtick. Yeah. Yeah, I get what he's doing. But right away, the the character in the story uh, in Sweden, I think it is, um, he encounters a a man who's on his deathbed, and the pastor's just at wit's end on what to say. So he starts to try to tell this man, "Oh, well, you're you're a pretty good man. You lived a pretty good life. You'll be okay." And the man is just frantic. It's and it wasn't until a parishioner came in and told the man, like, oh, yes, you are indeed an awful big sinner. That is absolutely true. You are a big sinner, and our Christ Jesus is a bigger Savior. And that's where the man derived comfort. It wasn't from downplaying his sin or pretending like he was kind of a good guy. That didn't do it. He had to hear the truth. He was a big sinner. He is a big sinner, and Jesus is a bigger Savior. Mm-hmm. Very, very powerful part of that book. And another aspect that uh, that is can be helpful. That's kind of an interesting topic here. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and that is um, uh, generally, like if, if a family member like says, hey, can you visit? They, they love that family member, right? Of course. Right? And it is actually kind of a powerful thing to, 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 to tell them if you get a chance to speak to them in this way. Hmm. You know, uh, your son loves you very much. And there's nothing. I know you love your son. Well, yeah, I do. Of course, yeah. I said, wouldn't it be nice to allow your son to have the comfort of knowing that they'll see you again? Yeah, very powerful. And and uh, I've heard. I've well, I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. They think of the in those senses. They think of the church of well, you're just going to tell me where I'm wrong or what I did this or that or that. Right. And to say, well, I know you love love your son very much. Um, and uh, I know you worry about how they are going to be after you die. Well, one way that you can calm their fears hmm. is to allow them see how you rest in Christ, right? And that they get to see you again in heaven, and that, that you understand that this forgiveness that they find hope in that you've seen in them is for you too. Um, you know, this is a way. You know, we all want to be remembered. Yeah. Kind so. of, right? Yeah, I mean, we're recording a podcast after all. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 um, and I, I said this too when it comes to temptation. Sometimes, uh, uh, learning and hearing and, and like facing, you're more willing to look at temptations differently when you're looking at it for the sake of someone else, even over yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
as a father, I'm more more cognizant of things that I would do that would make my children stumble more so than even myself. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so, uh, in the same way, uh, those who are hearing the gospel, if you give them the opportunity to, to, to really think about, you know, uh, give this an honest listen for the sake of your loved ones. Hmm. Give this an honest listen for the sake of your son who loves you or your daughter who loves you or your, your sister or brother who cares so much about you and you know that they do and you want them to be comforted in your death. If that's the case, just give me an open ear to hear this. If not for you, at least for your, at least for your loved one. Right. And that tends to actually be quite helpful for them. Hmm. Okay, I'll give this an honest listen. And then that does seem reasonable. Um, in a way, you know, having the Holy Spirit open their ears through the Word of God to hear those things. Um, and that, that's something I've else I, I found over the years. Um, so I guess that's good to talk about an Easter because we're talking about, you know, the resurrection to everlasting life. The reality of it, right? There's a, a very practical thing I learned also that I think is worth mentioning, and that's that uh, if a person considers themselves a member of your church, you don't need to go flip open the, the record books and find out whether you consider them a member of the church. Uh, if they're reaching out for a pastor and they think they're a member of your church, by all means, go and visit that person. Right. I thought that was very helpful to see that so that I didn't someday get hung up on the on the red tape of it. There's no reason to do any red tape. Just go visit the person who thinks they're a member of your church. Right. I mean, if they think they're a member and they want you to come see them. Right. <laughs> what's That's the best answer. <laughs> right. We can make this happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, because you don't want to get stuck in. Now, it, it might, might make a difference like, um, you know, the so-and-so was a member. Right. And, and there was no opportunity to actually visit with him. Hmm. You know, if that's a, you know... <laughs> You know, uh, you you have all sorts of opportunities while that person is alive to make use of them. So if someone thinks that they're a member and they're dying, you know, why wouldn't you? Right. Right. And I hope I would have concluded that too if I run into that situation. But nevertheless, now I know exactly what to do because I saw it. And, I, and it was like, oh, that is, upon reflection, the very obvious right answer Go visit that person. They're reaching out to a pastor. And the other thing you, you, I, I'm hoping I'm teaching you, in, in, and that is often. Mm, yeah, right, because you set up not just one visit, but you, you would— you I want to keep the dialogue going as much as I can. Right. It's like— No, that's great. No, it's never—because uh, it's never just one, because, you know, especially if they're in the dying process, you can't just, yeah. you know, okay, the, the, I, I heard the, the magic words, we're all safe. right. Right, but you you have an open door, and they they they're gonna can need to continue to hear hear this over and over again. Right. I found that true in my life. The importance of hearing the word of God over and over and over again, and it's gonna be important in everybody's life, including especially somebody who's not long for this world. Right. Um. And so that that's also something that uh, it, it's it's good to continue to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I saw so and so. You know. Can I see you again? Mm-hmm. And and you notice too in those situations, a lot of times I'll say, I either come up with a regular time, you know, right. I'll be here at this time. If you need to change, just call me. But otherwise, I'll be here. Right. Um, but always, especially in a situation where there might be confusion of you know where are they, and and uh, to, it needs to be an ongoing ongoing thing because. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over time, even if it's a matter of a few, a week or a few weeks, three or four times, boom, they're they're locked in. Okay. So, kind of interesting. Yeah. Discussion. Yeah, it's been an interesting week so far, and um, and it's uh, I'm glad it included people reaching out and and looking for the gospel and looking for forgiveness. And what a perfect thing to be working on during Holy mm-hmm. Week. And and just pouncing on those opportunities. Yeah. And. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, uh, listener, if you know someone in that situation, uh, don't hesitate. 
Mm-hmm. Have your pastor come out. You're not imposing on the pastor. The pastor wants to go help you, wants to go do that. Certainly. Certainly. When uh, you have the opportunity uh, for yourself, you know, even, you know, to think as a pastor, if you want to, if pastors encouraged by thinking of, of the word of God that you gave them, uh, you will see them again, even though you're, you're, you just met. Right. Um, and bringing not only that salvation to that child of God, uh, but also to the family. Um, and, and so make use of every opportunity you, you have to do that. And, and if you listener, you're in a situation like that, even if you think, well, it won't do any good, mm. um, it does good. Even if the pastor thinks, I'm not sure this will do a good. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. No, the Holy Spirit is building Christ's kingdom uh, where, where the word of God is proclaimed and it's uh, we and, can proclaim. And a lot of times in those situations, they're, they're a little more, they have more skin in the game. Yeah. You know, they, they realize, well, I can't fix this, you know, a month from now, two mm-hmm. months from now. Um, they may have spent a lot of time passing the buck. I'll deal with this later. Right. Well, now... By God's grace, they have an opportunity to hear the word again. Right. Thank and, God. Uh, and then they can hear the resurrection, what it means for them in a new way. Yeah. Are you with us, Pete? I can't I'm s- with you. Okay. I good. can't see you. Yeah, you guys' internet dropped out for some reason, and I am lowering the mo- amount of internet we're using right now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Now, it now dropped like out twice. So An animated... Icon. That's what you look like right now. That's good. So uh, I've got a top 12 list here. Ooh. You me. did put in more effort than last week. I'm I sure. do. I did. Yeah. I, I don't have them numbered, <laughs> but I have 12 things. Are you sure there's 12? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Bullhagen's <six>, top list. <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll just play the intro now here. Hey, come on, Vicar, do your job. <sighs> Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. Oh, I love this music, don't you? Oh, it's the best. It's, I'm so glad he picked it's this It's got music. me fired up now. <laughs> I hope you have 12 items. <laughs> Of course I do. All right, so um, what I have done is I picked out uh, 12 awesome verses hmm. from Easter hymns. One thing oh. I've noticed is uh, uh, Easter hymns are way better than Christmas hymns. I'll have to think about that. I want you to think about that. Okay. Because a lot of the Christmas hymns are, you know... It was a quiet night, and mm-hmm. everything's calm, and uh, just like a devotional where things are quiet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Can't wait for you to dig out a quiet night. Oh goodness! <laughs> hey, now we don't want to step on any toes. Mm-hmm. Um, or pull any fingers. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Um, so, um, I have 12, 12 verses, 12 awesome verses okay. of Easter hymns. Maybe the better word is stanza? I think stanza, because that's Stan- stanza. Dr. Grimm made us say stanza, not verses. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a pretty smart guy. Stanza. <laughs> Excuse me, I didn't mean to <laughs> yeah. step on your toes or pull a finger. <laughs> <laughs> Fortissimo. <laughs> this hurts. You good, Pete? You all right? No. No, I'm not okay. Can we do number 12? Number 12. Number 12. Number 12. Uh, this is uh, the refrain and uh, the third verse of the hymn, This Joyful Eastertide. Hmm. So I want you to listen to it and, and 
I mean, we need to flesh this out. Have some comments about it. Don't just say, that's nice, okay? We're, <laughs> we're going to be in the content, all right? So not like two thumbs up or one thumbs up? Like, yeah. No, that's not good enough? Yeah, that's cool. Don't pull my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My flesh in hope shall rest and for a season slumber till Trump from east to west shall wake the dead in number. Had Christ, who was once slain, not burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain, but now Christ has arisen, 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 but now has Christ arisen. So I, I like this because it talks about uh, our hope. It does. And it's kind of dense with... Um how do I say this? It's it's dense with content for being uh, a hymn. I mean, the it reminds me very much of the scripture that Paul wrote, saying that uh, if Christ is not has not risen from the dead, then the dead aren't raised at all, and then we are to be pitied above all men for our delusion of believing in the resurrection of the dead. But since he is risen from the dead, then our hope is solid. Well, that that is a great segue to number eleven. Number eleven. Uh, this is verse three of if Christ had not been raised oh, from death. <laughs> brilliant. If Christ had not been truly raised, his church would live a lie. His name should never more be praised. His words deserve to die. Yep. But now our great Redeemer lives. Through him we are restored. His word endures. His church revives. In Christ our risen Lord. Fantastic. I mean, we... He, Christianity cannot survive the mytho, mythalization. I don't know if that's the right word. The but making the resurrection of Jesus some kind of a spiritual thing, like oh, in his hearts they they really you know believed in what Jesus said, and that's like he rose from the dead or something. I mean, no, if he didn't rise from the dead, then then all of Christianity is pointless. And so and, and and the Lord's Supper, right? Yeah. Oh, he is, it means he's just here with us spiritually. No, and that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> and one thing that this verse uh, brings out, I think, very clearly is the fact that uh, the resurrection also says something about trusting his word. Hmm. Um, this is, you want to hear the strange example I give to my confirmation students I about do. this? I want to hear that. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So imagine, if you will, I don't know if you remember this one, Peter. I, mean, I don't know if I had this fully developed hmm. when you were in confirmation. But imagine, if you will, it's Friday night football game. Okay? Mm-hmm. A very public event, lots of people there, and so I'm sitting in the stands, and uh, uh, a meteorite flies through the sky, and then, because I like to teach him new words, mm-hmm. it hits me in the top of my head, and I am bifurcated, meaning wow. cut equally into two pieces, right there, in the stands, uh, and I'm dead. Wow. Slight, uh, slight correction. If you want to be good on your vocabulary, it's a meteor until it hits the ground. Then it becomes a meteorite. <laughs> I said a meteor. I mean, I'm connected to the ground. <laughs> okay. What if he jumped into the air, cheering on the the football game right when it hit his head? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we're now you're getting ridiculous, like confirmation students. My not my example being ridiculous. Okay. No, the so. example's good so far. I like it, and it was very public, and there's very no public. doubt that that killed you. No doubt. Right. And so uh, uh, it's Sunday then, <laughs> and and the way I worded to the kids is so you know they they uh, had a uh, you know the funeral. <laughs> um, televised and you know thousands of people gather for my funeral and dignitaries and all that you know i play that up oh yeah as a joke obviously and then uh uh so people mourn you know the loss of me to the world Mm -hmm. but it's saturday so nobody could you know really do much that day and then (laughs) sunday a poor vicar and all this mess he has to kind of lead the service by himself and Mm -hmm. everyone gathers and he kind of nervously Starts the lead service, and right when it tums, comes time for the sermon, uh, I go and I preach a sermon. I sneak in and I preach a sermon. You just come waltzing in the door, and you take the sermon. Wow. Right. How would people listen to that sermon? With laser focus, if they could not faint. <laughs> and uh, uh, if that, if I, how would they listen to that one uh, speaking of their own resurrection? 
they would have to take it very, very seriously. If that person said that they would rise after witnessing a public death and then a resurrection, how would they hear and trust his words when it comes to both law and gospel? (laughs) This man knows what he's talking about. He was most definitely dead, without a doubt, and now he's standing in front of me alive. He knows what he's talking about. So obviously, um, the connection for, for them and to the resurrection is that's exactly what happened. It is. Jesus died a public death for all to see. Right. And then he rose, and he did appear to many people. Over and over. And it causing the disciples who did not understand to understand. Right. And uh, appeared to many people. Right. They wrote it down because it was extraordinary. And so that's where we get the Gospels. This thing is so out there that they had to write it down. So another thing that this verse then talks about is, is in this, while it talks about um, trusting his word, but also it, it talks about the Christian life of the cross. Hmm. If, uh, if Christ had not raised from the dead, uh, our life is worse than everyone else's. Right. Meaning then, too, uh, uh, the life of a Christian is not necessarily a more comfortable life no. By worldly standards. Not by worldly standards. And uh, Paul put it this way, if if our hope was in this world, we should be pitied most of all. Right. If you really do only live once, you know, the famous YOLO, right? Like then then living uh, a Christian lifestyle might not be the, the best use of your time. If, if maximizing your own personal pleasure must be the highest value because you only live once, then why be a Christian? And so what this, this hymn and Paul, this is going off what Paul says in in First Corinthians, mm-hmm. um, that because Christ has risen from the dead, you know, it places living into the cross in its proper context, mm-hmm. um, and our life in a proper context, and suffering in its proper context. Right. All those things, because Jesus has risen from the dead. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Number ten. Come, ye faithful, raise a strain, and this is a second verse. Okay. Tis the spring of souls today. Christ has burst his prison, and from three days sleep in death, as a sun has risen. All the winter of our sins, long and dark, is flying. From his light to whom is given, laud and praise undying. Hmm. Undying. I do like that. So you notice how much of these deal with the resurrection about sin, redemption, mm-hmm. um, uh, the darkness of, of sin. Yeah, the theme of light. I like that. That's going to be in my sermon, that we live in light of the resurrection. And and so when we talk about raising the strain here, it, it talks about the prison of death. And I like how it talks about the spring of souls. Yeah. Yeah, like the dawning of a new... Yeah, era, a new life. You know, this is why you have Easter lilies in a sense, is because mm. they represent they something that was dead is now. Mm, yeah, that's now alive. That's alive. That's, that's great. Yeah, that one's very poetic, right? I mean, that one with the 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 themes of of the season and the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's very interesting. Number nine, uh, verse two of "With High Delight, Let Us Unite." True God, He first from death has burst. Forth into life all subduing. His enemy doth vanquished lie. His death has been death's undoing. And yours shall be like victory or death and grave. Saith he who gave his life for us, life renewing. Hmm. So here you continue, you notice that how different these are. Are you starting to notice the difference between these and the Christmas? hymns we normally hear and sing. This these are very much focused on victory and Christmas I think is focused on maybe relief that the, that the savior has come like a it's it's more muted I suppose I don't know how to say it quite mm-hmm. but but these are very victorious hymns. Every every verse that I'll read will deal with death. Mm, okay, that's a good way of, of right? course it would right. Uh, and, uh, the conquering of death. Right. It makes me wonder, like, in a weird way, like, was Satan, like, throwing, like, a three-day party that got just interrupted midstream? Oh, you, 
<laughs> Is there going to be some Well, you point? Pentecostals loved the champion, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carmen's the champion. <laughs> 1985, yeah, that was on the charts. And I've, I think it's like a 13-minute song or something. And, and I did. I liked it. Number eight. Uh, this is uh, Christ, Jesus, Lay, and Death Strong Bands. Verse four. Of course, I was going to have that hymn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. Hmm. Well, you nailed it. You said these would all be about death, and this one features a lot of death, the death of death, which is fantastic. And I like how it talks about life and death contended. Right, like the champion. Right. <laughs> he has won! Yeah. <laughs> that song used to give me chills when it would get to that part, you know. <laughs> I don't mean to make fun of your childhood. Oh, well, I I suspect you're not being really honest right now when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways, <clears throat> so uh, in this, it, it addresses the reign of death, mm-hmm. and also another emphasis on the word of God, how it says death is swallowed up by death. I, I like that, too, the way it yeah. describes how death ate itself. Yeah, and you have to stop and think about it for a second, because it's almost like not the words you're expecting. You want to see, oh, death was swallowed up by life or something like that. And it says death was swallowed up by death. And it's like, wait, how does that work? And then then you see it. Oh, Jesus' death brought the life. Death swallowed up death. So I love it. That's great. Number seven. Uh, this is verse two from Awake My Heart with Gladness. Hmm. The foe in triumph shouted when Christ lay in the tomb, but lo, he now is routed. His boast is turned to gloom. For Christ again is free in glorious victory. He who is strong to save has triumphed o'er the grave. You know, I'm starting to think that Carmen was inspired by these these <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're saying the same things, that, that Christ was victorious by death and that uh and conquered satan caught mm-hmm. him off guard really in some ways like and i always kind of think of it that way that like satan thought he had his greatest victory he got jesus killed he couldn't get him tempted right he tempted him in the wilderness and it didn't right. work and so he went the more direct route well i will just kill him i'll put this to an end and that didn't work either and Then it got away from him as he wanted to stop the spread of the early gospel and the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he brought up like the powers and the principalities to try to shut these guys down and they were getting arrested and they were getting murdered and it got away from him. He could not stop the spread of the gospel. And here we are a couple thousand years later and there's a billion people on this planet that would say that they are Christians. And um, yeah, he couldn't put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. A good way way of putting it. <laughs> you couldn't put the Jesus back in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Uh, this is uh, verse four of, I am content, my Jesus ever lives. I am content. At length I shall be free, awakened from the dead, arising glorious evermore to be, with you my living head, the chains that hold my body sever, then shall my soul rejoice forever. I am content. I am content. That's a really different one than the ones we've read before because uh, the idea of being content um, is to, usually I think we see that when somebody's in not the best of circumstances and yet their hope isn't in their current circumstances. Their hope is in the resurrected Jesus. And so that places their current circumstances in the proper context. And so they are content. They are content. Content like a prophet. Hmm. Right? Remember how we've, we talked about prophets? Uh, they held to the promises of God as though they were real that day. Right. Right. Which is the way we 
believe and um, the way we think of the return of Christ, that's more real than really what anything else that I encounter in life because the Word of God says Jesus is coming back. So like the prophets anticipated the first advent, we anticipate the second with that same faith. It's more real to to us than uh, than than even what we see almost because it's the Word of God. Number five. This is uh, verse four of Awake My Heart with Gladness. <laughs> okay. Now hell, its prince, the devil, of all their power are shorn. Now I am safe from evil, and sin I laugh to scorn. Grim death with all its might cannot my soul affright. It is a powerless form, however it rave and storm. And I'll just do the next verse too. The world against me rages, its fury I disdain. Though bitter war it wages, its work is all in vain. My heart free, my heart from care is free. No trouble troubles me. Misfortune now is play, and night as bright as day. Right, that is probably the most optimistic one that we've read so far. Um, I would almost think of those as aspirational statements. I hope I can attain the the joy and and um, resolve represented in that poetic verse there that um, to regard the the world's raging against me as as a of no um, no actual consequence mm-hmm. in, in this in light of eternity. There there is an aspect to a lot of good Lutheran hymns that is uh, I know we saw that with the I am content thing mm-hmm. where you kind of fake it till you make it. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah. Where you know what is true and you know what is right and you sing I am content because you're trying to, to use God's word to convince you that this... Right, because we're conforming to God's word, not going off of what we feel at that moment. Right, right. And so there is that kind of aspect here. Another good example is uh, is uh, the Lord, I love thee with all my heart. Right. You know, on the one hand, you might think, well, do we? Right. I mean, no, that's but, the great command, so... Right. <laughs> but do we? Right. And so, in a sense, you are uh, singing it into con- existence. <laughs> you oh, know, careful. That sounds Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah, not not that. Oh, okay. Not, not name it, claim not it. Not name it, claim it. No. Word of faith. <laughs> no, but you're, you're singing it in such a way and, and holding it so that you're, you're, you, you're in the same way that you would a creed. Yeah. You know, our, our personal beliefs every day go up and down. The creed, you state that. And you say it over and over again mm-hmm. because it helps your belief. It does. Yep. The confession, well, you, what you believe winds up conforming to your confession. Right. That's a very important point for you to remember, Vicar, because okay. um, uh, because people say will say, oh, yeah, well, that's what I believe today, or that's what I believe. What really keeps someone honest to these things is our belief and what we think each day always wavers. Right. It is the, the confession that... Uh, allows your beliefs day to day that go all over the place mm. it narrows it in right so so uh, so for example okay um if you have a church that has a uh, uh, a less than orthodox teaching okay okay and and you there's say 40% of the members of that church say well i don't agree with this but you know this is a church i grew up in sure Right, and say the church veered off away from the Word of God, and is and so forty percent of that church say, well, um, yeah, I don't agree with it. However, you know, I'll keep my personal beliefs, which will be at odds for the time being with the current church confession that is making. Okay. You with me? Yep, I'm following. Uh, check back with that with that person in ten years. Ah, uh, what's going to happen? Their belief will wind up conform to the mm-hmm. confession that that church continues to make with them. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they might say, well, that'll never happen, though. That's exactly what happens. It's kind of like practice makes imperfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know, by the way, do you know who understands this very well? You got to tell me. The secular world. Ah, yes. The, the twisting of language. Twisting of language, making certain themes and ideas as though this is our cultural confession. Mm-hmm. The way to the point where... They try and make it hard for for this worldly confession 
to have this worldly confession and to hold to the word of God at the same time. Right. And so what they are trying and seeking to do, whether they realize they're doing this or not, as I think um, there is a concerted effort to to make um, the worldly confession our own personal belief. Right. Right. And the the phrase that I read a lot right now because of the overturning of Roe versus Wade is that this and that this state, Ohio, for example, is restricting the right to an abortion. And uh, and they they hammer that phrase like there's this right, this inalienable uh, right that people have to to kill their children. And of course, they would never say it that way. But but they they use that phrase over and over about the 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 evils of depriving people of their rights. And it's a twisting of words, and it's a creed of sorts, uh, a death creed, but but a creed. All right, number four. Number four. Um, this is uh, hmm. This is weird. <laughs> a printing error or something? Or yeah, okay, that happens. Me. Uh, uh, kill but... some uh, time for me, Vicar. I figured this out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, the other way that the world attacks the uh, the unborn is to refer to the opponents of abortion as anti-choice or um, against abortion rights, but they will refer to the folks that are in favor of killing the unborn as pro-choice. So they will not give us our favored label of pro-life. They will not grant that to us. They'll call us anti-choice or anti-abortion. Number four. Uh, He's risen, he's risen, verse four. Okay. Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. Christ rose, and now open is fair Eden's door. For all our transgressions, his blood does atone. Redeemed and forgiven, we now are his own. Hmm. That's very doctrinal with the atonement and the redemption. That, that's what I was going for. Okay. <laughs> I mean, apparently that's what the author of the hymn was going to do. Uh, maybe in a way less poetic because it just kind of puts those doctrinal statements into verse. Right. Now, how, going back to the, the Christmas hymns, how many Christmas mm. hymns make these strong doctrinal points? Right. Like the, to, use the word incarnation or, you know, or. It's a little more rare. It's a bit more rare. I would say I'd have to think about whether I could even come up with one. Um, but. We could probably find one. It makes me kind of want to go on a mission, see if I can find one. But <laughs> Number three. Uh, this is uh, uh, our Paschal Lamb that sets us free. Hmm. Uh, this is verse two and three. Let all our lives now celebrate the feast. Let malice die. Let le- love grow strong anew and great. Let truth stamp out the lie. Mm-hmm. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia again. Sing alleluia, cry aloud, alleluia, amen. This one's interesting because it's the the impact of the truth of the resurrection on the believer that we can live a life of uh, of joy uh, in light of the resurrection. That one's that one's very good. Yes, it affects uh, what will we do from here, right? Right. Right. We don't, I mean, the other one is kind of a strong contrast to the one we just did, which was kind of these uh, very accurate doctrinal statements. And now we're reading like, how might one, dare I say it, feel as a believer in light of the resurrection? But it's true. We do feel things, right? So there can be some hymns about that. Number two. Uh, the world against me rages, its fury I disdain. Though though bitter war wages, its work... Wait, is we already did this one? That sounds really familiar. I feel like okay. we did this one. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, okay. So the numbering is. Just I did a, a couple of extra ones. And, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I'm out. So well, unless you how have... about I know my redeemer lives? That's a okay. I mean, I don't know enough of the words, unfortunately. It's one, I'm one of those guys that only knows the main word. I know that my redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet sentence it gives? He lives. He lives. Who once was dead. He lives. My. He lives. My. 
something. I, I'm, I, I sing it all the time. Now you're you, right. You now bigger sin. You caused me to. Mm-hmm. I've dragged you down to my level. Drag me down. It's, it's her age. Yes, <laughs> I am somewhat shocked that you don't remember. I know that my redeemer lives while you're singing the champion. <laughs> you know, I have a better memory for things when I was 14 years old than I do for when I was, you know, 48 or something. Um, but that's, of course, the famous verse in Job. Uh, and after all of his uh, trials and tribulations, when he makes the, gr- the good confession, and that in spite of like all of the circumstances in his life that had brought him so low, that had seen his family uh, devastated and gone and, and lonely. And in spite of all that, he knew beyond a doubt that he would see with his own eyes face to face his Redeemer. So that, that hymn's especially powerful. I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives, who once was dead. He lives my ever living head. See, I had it. Yeah, he, that was close. But I've already said the interpretation before we got the lyrics. Maybe we could just swap the editing. (laughs) That brings us to number one. Number one, we will find within a few minutes of looking. And number one. I like this one because this is an evening hymn of Easter. Ooh, okay. We don't even do an evening service on Easter, though. No. Okay. This is entitled, this is from TLH. <gasps> That's outdated. Oh. <laughs> it's obsolete. <laughs> no. If you wake up in the morning with a fork sticking out of your neck, it's because oh. Pastor Berg came and stabbed oh, you in the neck yeah. for saying that. Yeah, I think there are some real hardcore uh, adherence to the TLH. I think that's true. Because a lot of things are done better, actually, in it. <gasps> but I'm a giant fan of Dr. Grimm, who made the LSB. So. That's okay. Oh, okay. You know, they're both favorite. <laughs> okay. abide with us the day is waning thus prayed the two white two while on the way we read that thou O Lord remaining didst all their doubts and fears allay Mm -hmm. incline their ear thou king of grace when praying thus we seek thy face when earthly help no more availeth to sup with us thou wilt be nigh thou givest strength that never faileth and thee we grave and death defy. While earth is fading from our sight, our eyes behold the realms of light. Now this this hymn, it's an evening hymn. Yeah. An evening Easter hymn, which focuses on uh, Luke 24. I recognize the road to Emmaus in there. Yes. And, and how um, uh, those who are not understanding what is going on. And it mm-hmm. goes back full circle to our discussion earlier. It really does. It's beautiful. How how dealing with the resurrection and what it means to those who are hurting and confused, apart from the gospel, how it brings them hope and peace. Right. And I find in it this this great analogy between the closing of the a day, right, an evening, but it's also the end of somebody's life, uh, and they're going to see the light. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but usually these are shorter because it's Easter morning. Right. We didn't get up from bed to listen to the podcast. Well, I mean, there might be somebody that did. But so, <laughs> and uh, I have no idea. We're, we're having internet issues, and Peter has disappeared. He has. With any luck, we're, we're still recording. I think that there's a good chance we are. So, we'll, we will end it here. Yeah. But uh, if you do get up early on... Easter morning and listen to the podcast and want to tell us that you did, you can contact us at feedback at clericalerrors.org or on Facebook, you can find us by looking for Clerical Errors Podcast. And on Twitter, our handle is at Clerical Errors P. P for podcast, bro. That's it. We also have a Patreon and a store. So hopefully uh, Peter comes back and edits this and <laughs> and our internet starts working better. So we're back again, but only for briefly amount of time, probably because it keeps cutting out. Yeah. Well, we we just closed it out. Yeah, we were done. We were. I was given the email address and stuff. Okay. Good. There <laughs> he goes. I think he faded out. All right. That's probably all we're gonna get. So thank you for listening. I'm Bull Hagen. This is Vicar. 
And may your internet be working better. And may your foot keep from stumbling. (laughs) And don't step on anybody's toes and don't pull any fingers. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time. Don't worry, he'll take that out. <laughs> I know he will. I'm familiar now. I get it. I can say anything right now. It doesn't matter. Except now he'll keep it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>